This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, a people's history. From memes to movements, see how this powerful online community shapes culture and society. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, a people's history. From memes to movements, see how this powerful online community shapes culture and society. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. This message comes from NPR sponsor CarMax. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because CarMax believes you shouldn't just settle for a car, you should love your car. That's why every car they sell has CarMax certified quality, so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. Don't settle. Find love at first drive. Start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Based on shocking true events, the new Hulu original series, Under the Bridge, tells the story of a savage murder in a small town. Starring Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone, Under the Bridge is now streaming with new episodes Wednesdays only on Hulu. There's a repeat Super Bowl champion. The Kansas City Chiefs are at the top of the NFL heat once again, winning in overtime against the San Francisco 49ers. It was an exciting game with an attention-grabbing halftime show from Usher, many Taylor Swift sightings, and a big announcement during the commercials. Beyonce is releasing a new album in March, and she just dropped two new singles. I'm Stephen Thompson. And I'm Aisha Harris. It's 11.45 on Sunday night, and we're recapping the 2024 Super Bowl on Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mattress Firm. How do you sleep at night? No matter what might be keeping you up, Mattress Firm can help anyone sleep. Mattress Firm will find you the right mattress from a wide selection of top brands at every budget. Plus, if you see a lower price somewhere else, they'll match it up to 120 nights with their low price guarantee. Get matched at Mattress Firm's Memorial Day sale and sleep at night. Restrictions apply. See mattressfirm.com or store for details. This message comes from NPR sponsor Noom. Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, helps you build new habits for a healthier lifestyle. Check out The Noom Kitchen for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. This message comes from NPR sponsor Progressive Insurance, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Get your quote at Progressive.com and see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Homes.com. When you're home shopping as a parent, you have lots of questions about local schools. That's why each listing on Homes.com includes extensive reports on local schools, including photos, parent reviews, student-teacher ratio, school rankings, and more. The information is from multiple trusted sources and curated by a dedicated in-house research team. It's also you can make the right decision for your family. Homes.com. We've done your homework. All right, it's just us tonight, so let's get into it. So obviously, we are a pop music, pop culture podcast. We don't often cover sports. So we'll actually kick off this episode with the halftime show. 
Usher managed to incorporate over a dozen songs into his halftime medley, which featured guest performances from Ludacris, Lil Jon, Her, Will I Am, and Alicia Keys. So, Stephen, uh, what did you think? There's a lot going on here. <laughs> yeah, it was chaotic. Ultimately, <laughs> the whole show kind of rallied itself in its second half, especially as it got to some of the really big kind of stadium-filling bangers. Your turn down for what? Your mm. yeah. Hey, hey, watch out, my outfit's ridiculous. In the club looking so conspicuous. In careening through pieces of so many songs and incorporating so many guests, it was very chaotic. Vocally, I very much appreciate how little lip syncing he, he seemed to be doing. But, you know, there were a few raw notes here and there. Uh, yeah. There also were some interesting audio issues where it almost felt like a track was missing. From mm. the full audio presentation, the camera work I found extremely frenetic and chaotic and didn't really do that set any favors. But Usher is such a an agreeable and dynamic performer. He is an outstanding dancer, as he was very keen to demonstrate. And ultimately, I found myself won over by the complete package as it kind of built to this big cacophonous conclusion. Yeah, I, I have to agree. It's one of those things where there were so many songs jam-packed into this. Mm -hmm. And obviously, he has a lot of hits. I would have loved to hear a little bit more of Superstar and a little bit more of something like Nice and Slow. At 7 o'clock on the deck, I was in my club I did like the aesthetic during that song where he, there was like a giant clock being projected on the <laughs> on the stage, it looked like. But yeah, at the end of the day, what he came to do was to just reinforce the fact that he is one of our foremost R&B performers right now in a time where an R&B is kind of in this weird moment. And, and he's kind of this, I don't want to say a relic of the, the old school, but he's kind of like the last standing who of that old school variety. And I think by the end of it, when they were doing yeah, and he's just like pumping his chest and they're jumping up and down like they're <laughs> at a football game. I thought that was great. Like It, it was fun. <clears throat> he just has so much goodwill toward him. And I think this uh, performance, while it definitely wasn't his best, especially vocally, I do think that it did re-solidify what makes him so special. And it just made me really happy to see that. Yeah, I agree completely. It was certainly a super serving of millennial nostalgia. Uh, <laughs> yes, I think indeed. there were a lot of very happy millennials uh, over the course of that performance. I was one of them. <laughs> exactly. And I, I do want to say that I am not necessarily crazy about the trend that Super Bowl halftime shows seem to be taking where like, why do a medley of four or five songs when you could do a medley of 12 or 13 or 14. Mm -hmm. Rihanna yeah. last year did that same thing where, where she just like, it was like a stone skipping over a pond of right. just like grabbing these like little excerpts of these songs. And what that tends to do, it does showcase the breadth of an artist's career. And it does establish like, wow, Usher has a lot of hits. Wow, Usher has a lot of extremely catchy and memorable songs. Mm. But it doesn't necessarily let you get into much of a groove. Those songs never really get a chance to build because they're they, they're almost like they're samples instead yes. of complete musical works. And so I think that lent itself, particularly how bombastic so many of these songs are, it lent itself to that feeling. I keep coming back to the word chaotic. Mm. It definitely landed with a ton of energy, but I think if he kind of 
kept to like four or five songs, that set might have had more momentum. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, the Super Bowl is about spectacle. And, mm-hmm. you know, some artists are able to handle it better than others. Um, but I, I have to say, in the past few years, I've been a little bit disappointed by a lot of the performances. And this kind of felt like we were on an upswing again. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, I'm very curious to see who they try to get for next year. I know it's, I know we just ended, but like, who is left? <laughs> who hasn't? I mean, I guess uh, uh, you know someone. Who's never, you, know, you know who's never done a Super Bowl halftime show? Oh, I know. We're probably going to talk about them a little bit bit later in this episode, aren't we? <laughs> but before we get to that, obviously Usher was not the the biggest news of the night, to be honest. Um, poor Usher. I, I think he kind of got upstaged by Beyonce right after <laughs> that halftime special ended. Um, so she had some big news and was featured in a Verizon ad all about breaking the internet. Beyonce breaks the internet, but can she break Verizon? Broken? Mm, no. Time for a surprise drop. And then at the very end of the clip, she says, Okay, they ready. Drop the new music. A little bit later, Beyonce announced that she's releasing a new album on March 29th, and it's currently dubbed Act 2. I think we can assume that's like Act 2 of Renaissance because the first part is called Act 1. And then she dropped two singles, Texas Hold'em. And 16 carriages. 16 carriages driving away while I them ride with my dreams away to the So, Stephen, what do you make of the Beyonce of it all here? Well, it's new Beyonce music. I'm excited. Yes. It's interesting listening to the opening strains of Texas Hold'em. You hear this banjo, courtesy of Rhiannon Giddens, the great banjo player and outstanding musician in her own right. It's easy to think of these as country songs, but they're much more roots songs. I cringe at the number of people who will say this is Beyonce's folklore. (laughs) Um, But I think it is worth noting as much as a lot of the iconography around these songs has her in big glittery cowboy hats. The songs are softer. They're more agreeable. They're certainly considerably muted compared to, certainly to Renaissance, for example. They're not as aggressive as her country-esque song she did on Lemonade Daddy Lessons. I'm really intrigued to hear how these songs fit into the overall record and hear how this idea and this approach kind of carries out to album length. Because I I think these songs are strong. They immediately make me want to hear more. Yeah. I mean, I don't think of folklore. I think of so her sister and when I get home which was very rooted in the same kind of aesthetic of the the cowboy hats and the and the black cowboys especially and cow women and and all that stuff so I feel like that is the vibe that I I wonder if that's what the album is going to go toward look it's new beyonce she's finally finally giving us an act two of something <laughs> <laughs> and it's not and, an act two of the lion king <laughs> oh, oh god <laughs> no it is not so I'm I'm here for it. And like you, I'm very intrigued. And she just keeps kind of, you know, trying to, I don't know, top herself is the right word. She's just expanding her, her repertoire. And, and that's always something to be excited about. So yeah, kind of feels like uh, Miss Swift last week <laughs> at the Grammys announcing her album. And now it's like, oh, well, I'm going to announce this right after the halftime Super Bowl. <laughs> It was interesting to see Beyonce get to do a little upstaging. Yes, yes. Well, speaking of upstaging, you know, obviously 
Taylor Swift was in the building for this game and the Chiefs won. And the lead up to this was fascinating to me. At one point, outlets were tracking how long it would take for her to get from her show all the way in, I think it was Japan, to get to here in time. The vibe was like NORAD tracking Santa Claus on Christmas Eve. (laughs) Um, So, you know, how are we feeling about how much she was shown on screen and and how she played out throughout this entire saga of the game itself? I mean, I think, look, it's Taylor Swift. And naturally, Taylor Swift gets overblown. Taylor Swift's role in any story gets magnified by the press. She gets an extraordinary amount of attention wherever she goes. She happened to kind of have this one-two of being so prominently presented on the Grammys just one week ago. And then you realize like, oh man, it's going to be the same thing next weekend. And then, oh my gosh, we're just going to have like a two-month break and then she's just going to put out another album. But her role in these broadcasts, and I've watched every Chiefs playoff game leading up to this game. They played three playoff games and then they played in the Super Bowl. And her involvement on screen has been so minimal compared to how much attention it's got. The New York Times did a really nice piece breaking down just how much screen time she had received in those three playoff games. Now, I would say she got more face time in the Super Bowl than she did in any of those playoff games. You know, she's in a luxury box behind glass, partying with Ice Spice and Lana Del Rey. (laughs) Ice Spice. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Ice Spice seemed to be having a lot of fun. And I was just like, I'm happy for Ice Spice right now. Yeah. NFL telecasts, like, look, those announcers can sometimes dig into a topic and beat it to death. Uh, I'm a Green Bay Packers fan, and I cannot tell you how much I've heard announcers beat to death the topic of old Green Bay quarterbacks when you know, in, a, in a current game. And I'm sitting like, none of these people are playing right now. But like <laughs> the announcers were not talking about Taylor Swift. The announcers were talking about the football game just because every once in a while, one of the crowd shots they happened to show ha- would have Taylor Swift in it. That's not dominating the telecast. So that just wound up getting so overblown. And once the Chiefs won the game, you know, you see Taylor Swift in the crowd and they've got Travis Kelsey. God love a a voluble oaf. (laughs) (laughs) Travis Kelsey uh, sang Viva Las Vegas for what felt like 45 minutes. Viva Las Vegas! And you could just see Taylor Swift's soul leaving her body in the, in the audience as, as he does this, like, oh, this is my very extra boyfriend. <laughs> but her presence, other than that, was like, breaking news, woman watches football game. Like, there wasn't yeah. anything to even really comment on. She, you know, obviously had a very good night. It was an exciting game. The Chiefs won. Storybook ending to the season. But, like, that was it. Yeah, yeah. Look, they've solidified their their place as a ultimate power couple. She's won her top prize and he's won his top prize and all in the span of a week. Good for them. Glad to see those two finally achieve some success. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, Stephen, this might come as a surprise to you. There are few things I know and care less about than football itself. (laughs) So I need you to tell me what 
was so exciting about this game? I know it went into overtime. It's a big deal. Obviously, the Chiefs has won back-to-back. So what did you make of the way this game played out? Well, I think part of what made this a great game, you acknowledged it went into overtime. That tells you this game was very close. It yes. started out as a defensive struggle, very, very low scoring early on. The score was 10-3 to at the half, which is pretty low scoring for a Super Bowl, especially for two teams that tend to be very high scoring teams. Uh, and then in the second half, it just evened out. And so you had a lot of lead changes. There was a mixed extra point that ended up being extremely crucial, just numerically speaking. It wound up in a 19-19 tie at the end of regulation. So it really was one of those things where for about the last at least half hour or 45 minutes of the game, you were just watching like any play could win or lose this game for either team. And I think as a viewer, if you're not emotionally attached to either of these teams, and I'm not particularly emotionally attached to either of these teams, all you can hope for is a good game. Yeah. And this was a really good game. It wasn't massively high scoring. It wasn't one of these things where you're just, you're, you're watching nothing but razzle dazzle. But it was very closely fought. It was very hard hard fought. There were definitely miscues and mistakes, but it wasn't decided by the officials. It was exciting. And you really felt for the last big stretch of the game, like either team could win. And I, I really, as like a, as a football fan, that's all I want from the last game of the year besides a Green Bay Packers victory. Yes. Which was not available to me. Maybe another year. <laughs> It'll happen someday. I've been spoiled. They've won Good. twice in my lifetime. And lastly, you know, Super Bowl, we've got the game itself, we've got halftime. Usually commercials are also supposed to be a big deal. I don't know if they really are this year, but were there any that stood out to you? Well, I, I'm generally not a big commercials guy. I mean, one of the things that people like to say when they're watching the Super Bowl, it's like, I'm only watching for the commercials. I'm like, why would you do that? <laughs> Capitalism. <laughs> Commercials are bad and boring and you should skip them. Yeah. Nobody should want to watch them. I felt like it, it, it was sort of a the usual kind of dizzying parade of famous faces. Yeah. If you want to get a sense of what some random famous person from 30 years ago was doing, you're probably going to find them in a, in a Super Bowl ad. Hey, look, it's Mr. T. Um, yeah, I did yeah. think the Duncan commercial with Ben Affleck and J-Lo and Matt Damon and man, it managed to just sort of whip up a whole big Benefer storyline with Ben Affleck uh, acting the fool. And that certainly, yeah. I think, grabbed a lot of attention at a lot of uh, at a lot of Super Bowl parties this year. How do you like them donuts? I'm so sorry. You had to see it, but I forgive you. Lay us on the track. Are we going to be on the album? We talked about this. Let's go. There were certainly a ton of famous faces to choose from. Ultimately, my favorite, uh, even though the commercials themselves were just fine, but the Beyonce Verizon commercials, because it means we're going to get a new Beyonce record. Yes. I also loved how in those ads, she kind of seemed to be taking a little, a friendly dig at Andre 3000, where she's like <laughs> suggesting she might put out a sax album. And it's like, oh. <laughs> Did I break it? You broke me. Oh, Beyonce, I don't know if that's what we want from you, but, you know, <laughs> it, was, it was a fun little little jest there. It was. And notably, this wasn't the year of crypto ads, unlike no. last year. So that was that was nice. <laughs> yeah, I will take a new Beyonce album over crypto any day. And when you throw in when you throw in the first footage we've seen from the Wicked movie, uh, yes. trailers for Twisters and Kung Fu Panda 4, <laughs> we're seeing a lot of future episodes of Pop Culture Happy Hour laying out before our eyes. Yes, indeed. Especially that Wicked trailer as the musical theater person here. Again, sports, not my thing. 
Well, we want to know what you think about this year's Super Bowl. You can find us at facebook.com slash PCHH. And that brings us to the end of our show. Thanks so much for being here, Stephen. This was a blast. Thank you. And we also want to take a moment to thank our Pop Culture Happy Hour Plus subscribers. We appreciate you so much for showing your support of NPR. If you haven't signed up yet, want to show your support and listen to the show without any sponsor breaks, head over to plus.npr.org slash happy hour. Or you can visit the link in our show notes. This episode was produced by Mike Katzoff and edited by Jessica Reedy. And Hello, Come In provides our theme music. Clips are credited to the NFL. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. I'm Aisha Harris, and we'll see you all tomorrow. This message comes from NPR sponsor Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Chevron. Methane management is a critical part of achieving a lower carbon future. Chevron is taking action to keep methane in the pipe. They're committed to evolving facility designs and operating practices, and they've trialed over 13 advanced detection technologies, including drones and satellites. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com methane. Listen to Embedded for moments that stay with you. I could smell the smoke. I could smell the dust. Voices that resonate. <laughs> Stories that change the way you think about your life. How, how did we get here? The Embedded podcast is NPR's home for original documentary series. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.